Good evening. We're back to evenings now, everybody. And welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Jim Stam. Jim, how are you today, my friend? Man, Gary, I'm good. I think we got plenty, plenty to talk about today. So let's let's uh, get through these intros. No offense to these guys, but let's get through these intros so we can get down to it. You don't think that my smile looking like a skunk eating shit doesn't say something good happened today? I mean, I think so. I think a lot of things. So, I, I, let's let's jump right in. You're right. Um, also joining us today is an enthusiastic trader of baseball players and a contributor to Inside the Bucks Basement, um, which I may be partial to as a website. Our friend Justin Verno. Judd, how be you? I am good, Gary. Thanks for uh, uh, having me on. No problem, man. Thanks for getting out of work for once. Yeah, right? Because we've tried to have you on before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And finally, and certainly not least, new to the show, he is the host of the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, along with his brother. And uh, he is Josh Booth. Josh, how are you, brother? Doing great. Doing great today. Very happy. We've got baseball. We do have baseball. Mine are up on the wall. I can't grab them because my this sister... This is like a little tiny one. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you trying, you trying to hide your Kenny Pickett hands there with your small baseball. Yeah, you see that, yeah. <laughs> is that what yep. you're doing? I see. A little guy. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> I thought it was so, just part of the new CBA. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is part of the new CBA. Bases isn't it? are bigger, balls are smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so, in light of current events in the world, I'm I'm going to avoid making a whole bunch of war references. But suffice to say, just because this thing got signed, we shouldn't expect that these two sides of the negotiation have solved their problems. I mean, they they've only ensured that we'll be having many of the same arguments in, in about five years. So what what's really key is that the executive board of players, which, you know, by now all of you know has five Scott Boris clients on it, um, out of the eight, tried to nix this deal in the 11th hour. And the player's body overrolled them 26 to 12. I can't stress to you how important that is. That is such a key nugget to this whole thing. And uh, all I can really say is, for better or worse, baseball's back. This deal doesn't help or hurt the Pirates <laughs> that much, which in itself isn't ideal. But it does get the game we love out of the boardroom and back on the field for five more years. And that is a beautiful thing. So, Jim, before we dive into specifics, thoughts, brother? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I think we all have seen this day coming in the sense of how it was going to be for Pirate fans, right? Um, Not a lot changed. Not a lot good came out of it for teams like the Pirates. Um, You know, I guess, if anything, we got some extra playoff spots out of it. If you're looking for just anything to say it's a silver lining, that's about 
is really is all I can get for the for our 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 team here because uh, when you look at it from a competitive balance standpoint, um, from uh, controlling the tanking issues, none of that was really addressed. So really, we got some playoff spots out of it. Baseball came back. It doesn't look a lot different for us. I mean, addressed is a weird word because I can tell you that everybody on both sides of this thing thinks they've addressed it. <laughs> I just don't think they did. Um, and I'm, I'm going to let you start here, um, Josh, because – I know you've had opinions about how this whole thing's gone. Now that it's resolved, what where are your thoughts? My first thought is I don't want to think about it ever again. <laughs> uh, well, for five years, I guess. For five years. I kind of um, feel like I, I will the body say, of players said the same thing. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? I actually saw um, that the executive board actually was 8-0 to zero against mm-hmm meaning that it was actually 26 to four, which is even crazier to think of it that way. Um, but I will add one more thing to the extra playoff team. They did fix one thing. No more one game playoff game. Yeah. It's that's done actually with. a nice thing. I think, you know what I mean? And I think that's a big thing. Whether it's big for us, it would have been big for us <laughs> had it not been a thing. Right. Right. But, I think that's, I mean, if I'm going to take anything away from, from that, if we get back into that situation, at least there's that. A little bit, yeah, little bittersweet there for it. us. Yeah. Judd, you've been involved in this. I've seen you fighting with people on Twitter and everything. That's not what we're going to do in this opening segment. Just initial thoughts of how you feel. We'll have plenty of time to fight later. Yeah, and you know, it's it's just nice to know that you know I can jump online in a couple of days here and get my first tickets. And uh, uh, you know, I think this is a year we see uh, some young faces uh, parade through the park, and that's all fine and dandy. If I had to pick a silver lining, it might be it, you wonder if maybe some of the smaller paid younger players are starting to see that the guys in front of them may not have their best interests at heart. So hopefully that's something we can snowball uh, moving forward, see kind of gather some steam and maybe uh, see a a shift in alliances that way. Um, You know, it's just nice that it's over and we don't have to hear one crowd blame the owners, one crowd blame just the players and uh, acknowledge that uh, uh, it's just time to play ball. You know, at one point you got to get it done and they got it done. So I guess I'm happy about that. Yeah, I echo a lot of those comments. And I mean, I really hate to try to go down the roads of, of uh, I told you so's and, and you were right and I was wrongs and, and all that. But there are some people that I think presented themselves very much so as shills for one side or the other in this whole process. And I don't know that there's a, a viable road back home for some of them. And I, I'll just say that I think some people allowed this process to destroy their reputations. And that's sad. Jeff Passan being one of them, I've always really respected him, but he very much so has put himself in, in a corner Everyone knows what he is now and what he represents. And by the way, who represents him? Oddly enough, you know, um, 
you know, it, it's a, a double standard, and and he definitely showed that you need another source when he reports something moving forward. I'm sorry, and I'm not even going to get into the local scene because some some of y'all were jokes to begin with. So let's just leave it there. On that note, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to hit up more of the buckets. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Uh, we put up a poll because we did not believe that the Pirates uh, were going to be playing baseball anytime soon, the way things were going. And That we, was my bright idea, just as a disclaimer, so <laughs> blame me this time. It was a great idea because we were, we were basically saying, like, hey, we're, we're watching everybody on, on Twitter and social media assign blame willy-nilly. Let's have you actually assign blame in a poll so that we can actually read numbers and, and decide what we think here. So we gave them four options, basically said this is simplistic. In this CBA situation, who do you feel is most responsible? Um, we gave them the options of owners, players, both, or Boris. Okay. I think if we redid this poll today, I bet Boris gets a whole hell of a lot bigger number than he got. Yeah, that's a when good we ran point. This poll. But Boris got 17.7, which in and of itself kind of tells you that a lot of people were kind of caught on to his game, weren't they? Both MLB and MLBPA won the poll 39.8%. Owners came in second at 36.3%. And players alone came in at 6.2. You can probably lump players together with Boris because I think that's what a lot of people did anyway. But, um, yeah, I think that was probably where I hoped this fan base would put it. Both MLB and MLBPA. Especially if you consider most of this poll is probably answered by people that listen to this show. That's kind of what I expected. A down-the-middle answer. And that's what we got. So, Justin, I'm going to start with you. I think it's too late for us to spend a whole lot of time whining about blame. But where did you fall on this poll? You know, early on, it was the owners hitting pause for 43 days, I think, was just a huge, huge gap in the process. I think they probably could have ironed out a lot of the smaller things on the table before they got to the bigger things on the table. Um, so I, I really think that was a big uh, part of it. And early on, the owners just weren't negotiating in good faith, I thought. But once they really got to the nitty-gritty, I think that onus kind of switched to the players a little bit, and they were uh, unwilling to uh, you know, m- move the uh, – gap at all um but uh, largely I, I i put it on them both but i if i really you know gun to the head i'd probably say the owners uh, mostly because of the negotiating of bad faith and the 43-day pause there that's that's reasonable as it gets it really is and and jim this was your poll question yeah so obviously you have an opinion what do you think yeah no i th- i think it shook out kind of like um, how I would have rated things. I don't know about on the percentage scale of it. Um, 
really interesting point that you brought up, Justin. Uh, kind of uh, played uh, uh, an accessory to there was it kind of does change day to day. Maybe who you end up blaming because the side that looks reasonable one day is the villain the next. And um, also, too, the other reason I like to, and look, I'm glad we're moving past this and we don't have to talk about it really much for a little bit at least, is I like the fact that sometimes people are very outspoken on Twitter and one voice can sound like a thousand on yeah. social media. And that's just not with sports as we, you know, as we all know, that's everything. So my, my thought process was with this was, let's just see if the numbers shake out like we think they are, like they think, like we think they will, or are people being a little bit louder and it's just a few? And um, you know what? I give people credit. I think um, people are tapped into it a little more than I even expected. So good job, I thought. I mean, our friend Graves here, she said uh... – the owners and Boris are doing exactly what I expected them to do. The players talk about wanting to do the right by the fans, young players, and the game, yet they refuse to discuss the one thing needed to accomplish exactly that. So she voted for the players. Uh, I can see that side of things for sure. And she's talking about a cap system, um, which I think most reasonable people in Pittsburgh kind of do. Um, Especially if you and if you sit there and say that you, as you said on Twitter the other day, Jim, if you enjoy the, the Penguins and Steelers and like how they operate their teams, kind of hard for you to sit if, there out of the other side of your mouth and say that you hate the Pirates, right? If if you've ever sat there and celebrated a Penguin Stanley Cup or a Steelers Super Bowl or a big win or a big signing you might be a little bit of a hypocrite if you're on the other side of it in baseball. That's all I'll say. All right. So Josh, where did you fall on this poll and where would you fall now? I voted owners and I still would. However, I think that, that both is a legitimate answer. I'm not downplaying that at all. I think that I was really hung up and I'm, I pay a lot of attention to detail and I was really hung up on the word most. And to me, I mean, the, the owners locked them out. The owners waited all, you know, all the stuff that Justin just said. And I think that this started with them and it was mostly their problem. And I got to tell you, I was not one who was tweeting the word Boris very often because it took a lot of convincing for me to be convinced that he had as much power as we saw late in this that he actually does have. And I was not convinced. And I, I, well, Gary, you know, we've had conversations. I I just need to be convinced. Not that I can't be, I just need to be before, excuse me, before I go out and, and, and say things like that. I didn't think he, he had it, but especially today, I really felt like his presence was known more so today than it had been the whole the whole way through. However, to me, it's because of the word "most." It's it's on the owners, and that's I'm completely fine with that too. Because I think one thing that gets lost in a lot of this is, I may think there needs to be a cap. 
I may think that the players should have agreed long ago. I may think that Boris has a terrible influence in, on, on this game. All those things are true. But at the end of the day, the owners um, aren't treating the players fairly. They're not. That said, the league itself, which we must remember is the owners. Sorry, it is. <laughs> The league itself is not set up to make them all do the right thing. Do you think the NFL wants the players to have 51% of the income? No, they don't want them to. They do it because they forced them to. They forced it in. It's agreed upon. What everybody sees when you talk salary cap as a restriction of players' earnings, it's really more of a insurance policy that they get that percentage of earnings. It's not meant to prevent anybody from making money. It's meant to ensure that they make their percentage of money. That's all. Yeah, it, That's an excellent point, Gary. I think that's the biggest thing is if you're going to look at it like – Man, this is this is gonna screw players out of giving getting every possible dime that they can get. No, you gotta make sure you don't get screwed out of money too, especially with people that you don't trust and that have shown time and time again that they're not to be trusted. And right. if that's not worth a trade off to you and you wanna live in this altruistic fantasy land of, well, th- that's right and it's the way it should be, I I mean, great. But that's not how the real world works, and uh, you better put in some assurances and insurance to make sure it happens, and you're protected. So, you know. But, I, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the owners, in this last week here, they really moved towards the players significantly. Um, I don't think it was without doing. I think uh, when I reported last week that, that I knew there was 10 or 11 teams that were standing in the way of the CBT threshold being increased. Um, first of all, I'm not masquerading as a journalist. I know that information, but I'm not going to sit here and run around pretending like it's infallible. Um, I knew that it was a problem then. I think it took the owners quite a while to convince them to go up because basically they realized they were never going to get this done if they didn't raise it. And today, the way they found to get it done was to have those lawsuits and grievances dropped. So, you know, Craig, uh, my writing partner over uh, Bucks in the Basement, was a little irritated by that. You know, he found that was pretty shady. And, and Judd, I know you're a guy that you tend to play it pretty straight, but I know, like, your heart leans player. So how did that I mean, make you feel? Uh, you know, the, the heart leads players because in the NFL they have the power. But it did take some owners like the Maras, you know, the, you know, the Giants were a, a big voice in the room when it came to the salary cap. Um, if the players truly want to help each other out and help the middle class, so to speak, they're going to have to get to that point where owners see the value in it and – um, at that point is when you'll see the averages go up. Uh, you know, football's a 52-man roster. Sorry, they, they upped it, didn't they, in the last CBA? 
and they're still at a higher uh, base pay, a minimum, not minimum, but base average pay in the NFL because of it. Um, yeah, it's always going to be with the players because they're they're the guys on the fields. They're the jerseys that we buy. They're the people that we root for. Uh, and don't get me wrong, at the end of the day, it's black and gold that I root for. But it's Palomato that helped them win. It's it's you know uh, it's Juju uh, Smith that helps them win. Um, so there, I guess there's a little bit of both. But eventually, you're in the players' corner. Is is what it comes down to. They're who you talk about. They're who you root for. The jerseys you buy, so on and so on. But it's going to take a, a major voice in baseball to be able to sell that ideology. I, I think at the end of the day, that's what we're uh, dealing with. The NFL wasn't in trouble. There weren't teams that were bankrupt and things of that nature. It's just owners looked around and realized that teams like the Bengals and the Steelers just weren't going to be able to keep up with what was happening. Right. Especially Jerry Jones. Yeah. I mean, oddly, which it uh, should also be pointed out is still capable and able and allowed to make way more money than, than the Rooney's. Absolutely. And it doesn't affect what's happening on the field. So even the people that want to play Robin hood and pretend that, uh, a, a salary cap is stealing money from the Dodgers and putting it in the pirates pocket isn't really playing with a full deck. It's, it's not, it's not what you think. It's a bad word because somebody told you it's a bad word. And Josh, what, what Judge just said about the players like Palomalu, it's very true. There are no Palomalus for the pirates because of this system. We shouldn't pretend that this system is any better. It's not. The Pirates are still going to lose players. They're still not going to be able to sign those big contracts. They're still not going to be in on any of the big free agents. They're still going to trade players with a year or two of control. They're still going to have to restock their prospect system in order to have a chance for a window every few years. Nothing's changed in that regard. And I'm not trying to depress people that we just got the game back. <laughs> but hey, shut up. But it's, but it's reality, right? So, I mean, how, do you that, how is that, the play, right? Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> but how do you justify that? How do you, how do you, how do you as a Pirates fan and um, a baseball fan in general that I know is at least on the fence as far as a lot of this stuff goes? How do you justify being okay with that? Just knowing that this is a league now that openly on paper in this CBT acknowledges there are small and large markets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, partially just because I grew up in this, you know what I mean? Knowing what's going on, it's always been that way. So partially it's just like the, the, uh, the fan of the underdog of me. However, I know that first and foremost, the problem is with the owner and with the fact that there is money to spend that's not being spent. Um, but I do recognize, I do recognize the, the benefit of knowing how much money that is and knowing that there's uh, some sort of floor that needs to be spent. And so, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it, it's a very confusing thing for me. It's something that I don't quite have my, my head wrapped around, but I, I know that there is still a clear, I mean, Cleveland doesn't have any more money than Pittsburgh does. 
and they're in first place or at least contending every year because they've got pitching development done and they just send those players away too. They sure were. They, they actually, uh, we have actually paid more, the highest salary. Well, we all know is Jason Kendall, which was 60 million. Well, Cleveland's was Edwin Encarnacion for 60 million and they let him go before his last year. So they never even paid all of it. The pirates spend more money than Cleveland. Well, I mean, that's the reality here, too. Even if we do <laughs> sign somebody for eight years, they're only going to be here six. Yeah. So that that's kind of the reality of this market. And I think what we're starting to see, Jim, is a, some of the walls starting to break down a little bit. You know, I, I do think we're starting to see a little bit of an upswell from, from <clears throat> fans outside of this market that are starting to understand a little bit more. This is not about one cheap owner. This is not about one guy not getting a huge paycheck. This is about players in general getting a fair deal and the league itself being more competitive on a day-to-day basis between teams. I don't think it's enough to, to throw up who won World Series in the last 15 years and pretend that that equals parity. No, I mean, parity and competitive balance isn't just wins and losses. It's, it's just not. You, 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 you have to measure it in things of, are you able to obtain and retain star players and pay them what you think and, and, and operate in a certain space with your payrolls? And those things all matter, too with competitive balance, parity, whatever you want to call them. You know, you want to see Brian Reynolds retire a pirate? Keep dreaming. I mean, it's just not ever going to happen with the way things are structured right now. Um, and so people get very, very caught up in looking at things from a, sheerly from a win-loss perspective. And I think if you're doing that, it's a, it's an intellectually dishonest argument. And it doesn't really go to a lot of the core issues of, with baseball and how, and how it really does affect the game on so many different levels. Um, geez, let's Gary. Talk about, let's talk about this window here that, that the Pirates are supposedly in the process of opening. Yeah, the window is another example. Yep. Well, let's, you know, I, we can debate about when it's going to open all we want. Let's, let's, let's split the difference and say 2024. Okay, because I've seen... I've seen nutbags say it's this year. It's not. And next year, I think, is, I think they'll be better. But next year is still a little bit of a stretch of the truth, I think. And, and 2025, if it's 2025, Ben Charrington should be fired right now. Um, so let's say 2024, just okay. because we're being nice guys. We're classic. So 2024 comes along, and we're under this system. And here's the difference in this market. In this market, we're rooting for our team to go to the playoffs. We're super excited that they're in it. Nick Gonzalez is up here. Quinn Priester's up here. They've got like some really good young players. Pergaro's playing. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba's out there doing his thing. Brian Hayes is like looking like a veteran third baseman now. You know, he's looking a lot more like Nolan Arenado than people led you to believe he was a year ago. And Brian Reynolds is a grizzled veteran at that point, just leading this baseball team and willing it 
Henry Davis is up here, like being the captain that Alex Stump told us he would be. Everything's starting to come together. It looks great. As a Pirates fan, in the back of your head, this is what you have to understand is different. It's not that the Pirates can't do everything right and win in 2025 or 2026. It's that as a Pirates fan, in the back of your head, you're doing something that a Dodgers fan doesn't do. You're sitting there thinking about where Hayes is going to be playing next year and where Reynolds is going to be playing next year. And we should have traded him because we've lost the opportunity to recoup our losses and bring in prospects. And we know that it's going to start that whole thing and it's going to screw up when the next window opens. And people will argue about when you should actually pull the trigger on that stuff because you're stunting the window or you're opening the window or you, should we extend the window? Don't prospect hug. <laughs> if you bring in that free agent, then you won't be able to afford to keep this guy. Well, he wouldn't stay anyway. These are Pittsburgh conversations. This is what this system creates. So is it fair in so much as the Pirates can win? Yup. Yup, it is. They can win. They certainly can. The Tampa Bay Rays can win. The Indians can win. And the, the Detroit Tigers can spend <clears throat> once every 10 years because they save up all their money and bulk it all up and spend it in a three-year window and then trade them all off. It's exactly what's going to happen. Javi Baez will never finish that contract there. And those Detroit fans know that. And those Detroit fans, worse than anything now, Judd, they know they're second-class citizens. Yeah, absolutely. They're never sitting up front and getting the free uh, champagne and the free mimosas, you know. Um, you know, you, you start counting down. You know, you, you, okay, it's got to be done by 27. If it's not done by 27, we need to start selling off for the next window. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, yeah, you can win and you can even win a series. But um, small market teams, you got Miami twice since 97. You got the Royals. Uh, who, who am I leave, leaving out there that actually won as a small market? I'm St. Louis you're because not, they're just freakish. You're not leaving anyone out. <laughs> yeah, no, St. Louis. St. Louis is an anomaly. Yeah, and that, I don't that's think they're, they're not a small market though. Yeah, well, on paper they are. Yeah, though, and, Josh. and compared to New York, on paper Yankees, they're a small market. Yeah, and you know Yankees and Dodgers, they you know um, they just have it down pat what they look for, how they develop, how they deploy, how long they can keep, who they can sign, and who they can ship, and they have it down to a science. But you know, in football, when the Lions don't compete, because that's what everyone wants to say. Well, the Lions haven't made the playoffs, you know, and the Browns only twice, and. When the Browns don't make the playoffs and the Lions don't make the playoffs and they don't compete and they're not a 500 club, they can't sit back and say it's the system. It's incompetence. When it comes to that kind of losing, yeah, when it comes to that losing, you're impatient, you're making bad decisions, you're making bad decisions to cover for the bad decisions, to cover for the thing that you did wrong last week. And that's not what you get in baseball you're making bad decisions yeah, because you've been handed let's, bad decisions let's, let's ron white it the cba don't fix stupid it, exactly you know, right it, absolutely yeah yeah all it does is give you an even playing field and josh you know 
based on what I just said, which you all you know is very true, as a baseball fan and as a Pirates fan, you accept that because you love the Pirates. But the back of your head, you know that ain't right. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be thinking like that. Yeah, you They get should to... have every opportunity to have a Ben Roethlisberger on that team if they want. You get to a point where I think that you are you, you you find ways to convince yourself that it's not worth it to sign. I mean, this is this is the way I am. Why sign a, a guy and keep him here when his best days are now going to be behind him? There's one guy I'd love for the Pirates to sign right now. He's a free agent, maybe six o'clock tonight. They'll have a conversation with him to play corner outfield, who we thought was going to be here forever. Jose He's Tomba. not. Yeah, <laughs> he's not as good as he was before. <laughs> he's not as good as he was because his best days were behind him. And I think that that's still true. I mean, we know that 65% of players that are in MLB right now are young guys. Right. Well, Josh, and say, say the name. It, so say the name so it doesn't get lost in translation. Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> Cutch, uh -oh. I, he tweeted. I, I hear tell he was mean to somebody once on Twitter. Oh no, I I could tell you stories offline of how, of uh, of our experience of him being a good dude, but um, no, he but, is a good dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I I mean I can sit here till I'm blue in the face and picture a corner outfield in 2022 with Cutch in one corner, Jock Peterson in the other one. If you've ever listened to our podcast, Jock Peterson <laughs> comes up a lot. <laughs> Hey, I begged for him last year too. So hey, good. There, we're on the same page. But anyway, I I think that you do. You you kind of convince yourself as a Pirates fan that those contracts aren't worth signing, mm -hmm. and so that's how you cope with it. And you want the next. I think one of the arguments that 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 Jake, uh, my brother, who's also on the podcast, one of the arguments that he makes all the time is that we just wait too long to bring our our young guys up. You know, I mean, you look at, at Jonathan India, who just, he won Rookie of the Year, right? Right. Played 38 games in AA in his entire career, no games in AAA. And he was there and was was good. I don't, you know what I mean? So the argument's there that, that the young players can win baseball games. And some of that is the, is the uh, attitude of a Pirates fan who convinces himself of those things rather than, you know, just a Yankees we're, fan we're who already, says, who's the free agent, seeing, you know, we're already seeing what you're talking about with Brian Reynolds. Like when, when people are talking about extending him now, you're already seeing people saying that he'll be 30 by the time. Yeah. He, so why would you extend him? It, it's, and that's, that's where it's gotten to. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a symptom of this system. Yeah. Uh, not only does it create that here in Pittsburgh, it also creates an environment where past 30, there's some kind of red aura around you that you suck balls <laughs> all of a sudden. Like, does, does, does the guy strike you as somebody that's just going to fall off a cliff tomorrow? No. I mean, like, he, he's just getting started. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. I don't know. It's... It, it's a lot, there's a lot of things we can talk about. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring up a few more aspects of the CBA.
we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. We got Josh from uh, Bridge to Bucktober podcast on with us, and Justin Verno, um, contributor over at Inside the Bucks Basement, and of course Jim Stam and myself. And uh, we figured a good place to start the last segment here is to talk about our old buddy Uncle Scott Boris because. Um, whether you wanted to see it or not, and I would argue if you didn't see it, it was probably willful ignorance more than anything, um, because he's been very apparently pulling the puppet strings for quite some time. Um, I was not alone in reporting that five of the eight players on that executive board were Boris clients and, um, it really reared its ugly head on the last day. Um, he almost, almost pulled off the kibosh on, on this deal. And the players themselves stood up. The body of the players stood up and prevented him from a hostile takeover. And uh, part of me wonders how much sooner we could have had an agreement I know that the owners share blame one way or another, but part of me wonders how much sooner we could have had an agreement if he wasn't so involved. And I certainly think that next time this goes one of two ways, either Boris gets more players on that executive board or the players in general don't allow that to happen again. And I think the vote today kind of smells like they're not going to let that happen again. Jim, what do you think, brother? Well, I think today, I mean, you know, we really did see, and it was it was kind of fun for us in a way to watch it unfold here right before we went to doing the recording, is just how much they did push back. And um, we referenced it earlier, uh, it was 26 to 12, which was really 26 to 4 once you take out the other um, eight votes from the board. Right. So... Look, I think the players on some level finally said, and when I say the players, I'm talking about the guys that don't make a lot of money, the guys that felt they don't have the power. They finally figured out, you know what? Maybe if we stick together a little bit, our, our, our numbers is where the strength is, and we, can, and we can kind of start to turn the tide here. And make no mistake, what you ended up seeing today was – the players told Scott Boris to stand down. That, 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 that's the only way you can, you know, look at it is that they went against what Scott Boris wanted to do, and that hasn't happened in a long time in baseball, and it sure wasn't happening up until this point. And I think they finally said enough is enough. You know, we're getting some, some um, uh, concessions made to us, and we, we, we want to take that for now. And revisit it later. In other words, they said, hey, Scott, do you mind not not ruining our victory here? Our resounding victory? Yeah. Where we got the owners to do things we never thought they'd do. Mm-hmm. Where we got the owners to basically make up a lot of what they screwed us out of in the last one. Can you let us have a win? I mean, Josh, he, he almost did it. Josh, that's basically what happened, though. The, the players took the power back. And I don't mean, like, 
they beat the owners and and that's i i mean they took the the power back from one man who was given far too much power by far too many people including operating and i can't get past this i'm sorry including controlling some of the information stream Mm-hmm. That Jeff Passan thing is not going to go away, at least as far as my brain goes. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, reluctant. I've never been a fan of Scott Boris, obviously, to make that clear. Um, and I was not convinced uh, of how much he had influence. I mean, obviously, Max Scherzer was a puppet throughout the whole thing. And everything that he said, you knew that was coming from Boris. And that, that seemed clear from the very beginning. Um, the numbers of, of how many, how much of a percentage of players that he represents started to started to kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit at it. But today was, as you said, just completely clear um, how much he's influenced it. And then after that, I think that it became, there has to be a stop to it. As a matter of fact, we <laughs> um, there's a tweet out there from from Rosenthal talking about the five of eight members of the executive committee. Well, go ahead and read it. I don't have it in front of me. Okay, it, it says five of eight members of the executive subcommittee are Scott Boris clients. Subcommittees wanted luxury tax thresholds pushed higher. Sources say there's a lot that he's leaving unsaid there. Interestingly enough. That tweet was quoted by Jock Peterson, and all he said was, weird, dot, dot, dot. His very next retweet, or quote, quoted tweet, you know, was a video of Jock Peterson hitting his game-tying home run in the seventh inning of Game 5 in the NLDS against Max Scherzer. <laughs> and you Where know, he just said that, show homers are back. <laughs> there's, there's another side of that whole thing, though, too. It's interesting, Jock Peterson, because Jock Peterson was used as an example by Scott Boris of what's wrong with baseball. Because he was brought in in a deadline deal to Atlanta to push them over the top to get them to the World Series, which Boris didn't like because Atlanta didn't win the right way because they didn't decide to spend early on. They brought in that money on a prorated basis and added it to their salary, which Mr. Boris doesn't like. Because he can even dictate how how, the, how teams win. You can't yeah. win only certain ways. That's the only acceptable way yeah. to Scott Boris. I mean, Judd, you can't make this up. Yeah. You cannot make this stuff yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you couldn't even write it in a book, you know, or a play. It's... it's and it, it's funny that I remember that that so does somebody because up to that point, let's face it, Peterson is no uh, world beater as a player. In fact, ultimately, that probably hurt helps his negotiating power. Despite later. Josh and I both wanting him to be a pirate, I yeah, do. Well, you and, know, you know, and I and I think that he's the one hurt by all this. He's that mid tier guy who has a hard time signing a deal. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and then Great he performs point. well in the series and he still wasn't happy about his player coming in and performing on a series, which might give him, you know, a couple more uh, dollars on his contract. Um, so it's just, it's funny to see him play both sides of the aisle, you know, and I, I think we might see a big shift here 
early. And I, I don't say I'm not. We may not see it, but we may know what we're seeing moving forward. And I'm going to have to claim ignorance on this. Does anybody know how often they vote in union reps? Really? Or you know, every year, every year in spring training, uh, each team votes in a union rep. Pirates didn't officially have one because theirs was traded away. So Chris Stratton was playing that role, but he was not an official union. Justin, you you literally keep going, buddy, because you're going exactly where I think I was going to go. So keep going. You just wonder if they purposely do not vote in Boris reps. And I think that'll be a clear, you know, the, 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 the white smoke. Or the black smoke, or whatever it is, I, I think that'll be an early uh, a sign to us. I think of which way the players may be headed down. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely something as we as we watch these next five years, and to we get to the next na- labor negotiation to watch. I didn't realize that's a long time, but you, just to see if that um, if that starts to look a little different in the type of player. And who and who they are status-wise, and um, yeah, I, that that that's an excellent point. It's going to be interesting to watch, and I think it's it's probably going to be one of the most easily identifiable telltales of how the next one's going to go. You know, you get to like yep. uh, you know the fourth year of this deal, like twenty twenty-five, and. Uh, also, it shouldn't be lost on pirate fans that this this expires after twenty twenty six. So that might be really poor timing. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> let's but, let's hope so. Let's in a let's weird get, in a weird way. Let's hope so. Again, let's just take the five years. I'm just sorry, but uh, no. But when we start to see who the player reps are, maybe you pay a little more attention to that. You know, we had Jacob Stallings on ours, and um, before that, Adam Frazier was involved as well so you know when when they get elected maybe it's not just a name maybe maybe we really need to think a little bit clearly about what types of names are getting chosen now the pirates aren't going to have a lot of boris clients (laughs) most likely yeah but as you look across the league and you start to see those names leak out of who's a player up here and there I think that's something that we can really start to think about a little bit more. If that executive board looks like it's shaping up to be two thirds Boris clients again, I think you better brace yourself because uh, I don't think anybody involved is, is prepared to let him have as much power as he had over this process. Again, if you think about it, that executive board controls when the vote goes to the players. That means those eight players that voted no mm. had to at least feel conflicted enough about their vote to push that to the players. Which means, and I'm going to guess it was about three of them, wink, wink, <laughs> were like, we should really ask the teams. <laughs> you know, we really, we should, I don't, Garrett, I don't want to, Garrett, can you tell Max that maybe we should go and ask? You know, the teams, because I just don't feel right. You know, because that's really how it had to happen. Well, you got to wonder, too, how many of those players and whether they're the player reps or just the players who were sending texts saying, hey, this deadline's coming up. We want to play. Yeah. There was there there could have been pressure from those players. Yeah. 
I, I I do think there probably was a little bit of a sense of panic with some of the um, lesser you know earning players with less service time and 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 not as financially secure that probably did get a little nervous and speak up and say don't don't ruin this like we'll we'll take it um, and that's the beauty of someone like a Scott Boris in a way is sometimes those types of dudes just don't know when to back off and they keep going and keep going. So maybe he ended up hurting himself, you know, in the long run. And um, they finally kind of, you kind of like, like a lot of things, you kind of got to have an aha moment. Yeah. And hopefully maybe that was today. Um, We'll see. Something else under the radar kind of happened last week with Boris, one of his top lieutenants in his, uh, in his agency just left and started his own um, to get away from him. So, mm. um, and, and took, he, he pulled a Jerry Maguire and took some players. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Who's coming I'm with just me? saying, I'm just saying, um, you know, with, with all power comes the fall of that power. Tell me and, he didn't get, tell me he didn't take Rod Tidwell with him. I mean, that I don't was, think so. That was and Jerry Maguire. I don't so. think so, and I don't think anybody wants Renee Zellweger anymore. So <laughs> I think I don't think she's going anywhere either. But we should probably talk about some of what's actually in this CBA instead of just bitching about up and down and how it came and all that stuff, right? Yeah, so okay. <laughs> um, we one of the big narratives was that that we we've, we've solved tanking. That's what I heard. I, I saw that we solved tanking. Oh, derail, derailed tanking. Derailed tanking, yes. It was for the fans. Yes. Now, I'm really trying to not be jaded here about it, but the only thing I can really see that addresses it in any way, shape, or form is a draft lottery. And I don't think that'll do very much. It doesn't do very much in any of the other leagues. So I, I don't see that as being any kind of a big deal, but – Am I missing something, Josh? Did you see anything else in this deal that you felt like was directly dealing with derailing tanking? No, and I and I think that that's going about it all wrong. There is absolutely, and we've made this point on our podcast, and I still believe it uh, wholeheartedly that there is not a single player that plays for the Pirates who's trying to lose. Not one of them. Tanking right. as a problem is really to an owner is a strategy, not a problem. What you're saying is I'm going to lower expenses without impacting revenue. And if I can do that while you do your whole reset thing, the GM goes and says, I can get rid of all these people. You'll spend a lot less money. I'll get you better. And then when you're better, you can give me money essentially is the pitch, right? So the owner knows if I'm not impacting revenue, why not? That's tanking. So that doesn't matter if you're 30th or 26th. Right. It doesn't matter what place you are. The, the, the fact of the matter is it's, it's their strategy, quotes, strategy, is completed when expenses are lowered and revenue isn't, period. Or revenue's not lowered by as much as expenses are lowered anyway, right? Right, and the draft pick itself is kind of like a side benefit. Because it's really hard to be the worst team in baseball. It really is. So it's not something you can just plan for. It happens, but every year there's a couple teams that 
whether they want to or not, stink. Yeah. And it's just going to happen. So you get the number one overall pick. That's a side hustle. You didn't do that on purpose necessarily. You maybe wanted to get in the top five. Yeah. But you you could you weren't shooting for the very top. I mean, Judd, most of what you're looking for when you when you enter a rebuild, aka tank, is to bring in prospects. You're looking for someone else's top draft picks for guys that you don't want to pay anymore. Right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's two ways to build a team. That's to trade for prospects or draft them. If uh, you know, a, a better way to do it, maybe the MLB or the people who hate tanking can share it with the rest of us because uh, I got nothing. So, you, you know, and you acquire better prospects with better talent being moved. So, hence, you're going to get worse. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm sure we've seen active tanking, meaning um, – you know, a team not putting their clo- best closer out in a game that's close or something like that. And that's the kind of integrity of the game. I think we can all agree because kind of you want to enjoy a win when you can enjoy a win, even during sure. a, a rebuild. But uh, ultimately, uh, the quickest way is going to be to stock your system via other teams' systems. Um, and of course, via the draft pick, you want to be in the top five anyway. You don't have to be number one unless there's a Strasburg or a Harper, you know, but in most years, there's not a clean cut number one. There's often a Machado to go with the Garrett Cole or the Jamison Tyon. So it never made sense to me, people crying about something that needs to happen for a team to get better in the future. It needs to happen. You know, the forest has got to burn down to regrow the trees and blah, 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 you know. Beautifully put, my hippie friend. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, Jim, I think well, let me let me let me just add one more thing to that. Is like we've talked about this, and what what Justin was saying there was, baseball's kind of like of the of the four major sports, maybe even the worst one to 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 start picking apart a draft or drastically altering how we want to do that for teams. You know, no one's sitting there trying to, uh, I mean, there's no Michael Jordans in baseball or, or, or very, 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 very rarely. There's no Sidney Crosby's, you know, there's, there's, there's a miss rate there that, I mean, our, our, and, and, and then to speak to Josh, Josh said, once, once the strategy's implemented at the, um, you know, ownership or executive level of things, it's already accomplished. Then whatever happens with whether you're picking 25th or 28th, so be it. You've already done what you wanted to do. We'll deal with that. That's not a huge deal in base, but we'll deal with that when it comes. We'll just see where we're at. But go I mean, ahead. Actually, no, you're, yeah, you're just exactly right. to that point too, because the tank that's a problem, the owners would be thrilled if you ended up in 10th. Because the, the, the tank, the problem that the players are talking about, that they didn't do anything to fix – was still successful. We lowered expenses and revenue probably went way up if you were better. They don't care about the draft pick as much as they care about not spending money. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd thing to focus on. So what moving on, the next thing they wanted to address that I think we we derailed cheating with the young players and preventing them from coming up, right? That's the next thing that we accomplished. Um 
So they they raised the minimum salary to seven hundred thousand. It's going to go all the way up to seven eighty by twenty twenty six. That's good. I'm happy about that. Um, I think even teams like the Pirates should not really balk at that. The CBT threshold went up, of course. I don't think that affects the Pirates very much, and it certainly doesn't do anything for young players. Um, $50 million has been put into this pre-arbitration pool for young players, and one of the weird things that, that I saw baked into this was Rookie of the Year candidates now, the top two finishers... Will, will be receiving a year of service time. Now, I don't want to be cynical. <laughs> but I, I do. <laughs> but owners like to, let's say, find a way around a rule every now and then. And let's just say that I may not want O'Neill Cruz to get 500 at bats this year. If I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to lose a year of control. What say you, Jim? Because as much as I don't want to sit here and accuse the Pirates of doing something before they even do it, because I legit think that guy needs work, I think it's going to happen. League-wide. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how even as fans, we have to, you know, as Pirate fans, we tend to live in this, you know, uh, different world of how we view things, right? Because of how the game's structured. And so here we are in Pittsburgh. My question would be to Pirates fans, you really want O'Neill Cruz starting day one of this season? and risk that year because that's how we have to look at it here, right? Or or that we tend to. And so you don't think owners are doing the same things in these markets? They're going to say the same thing. Like On top of that, we didn't get rid of Super 2. Exactly. So if anything, what you've done, you've built in extra incentive yeah. to not bring players up. And, and an easy way to do it. There's but still an wanna, easy way to do it. But we want to cry about manipulation. See, that's the problem. Again, like we were talking about with the spending, you've already told me you don't trust these people. You've already told me that the owners are not trustworthy. So you build in something that yet again relies on their trustworthiness. And and Josh, I root for the young players. I want to see them come up. Your brother thinks they should come up faster. I don't even disagree entirely. I do think there's a little bit of a gray area there where some people need to, like, I don't want Rowanzi coming up here on day one if there's something they want him to work on. He's too important for that. But right now, under these rules, I don't even want to consider it. And I'm a fan. I don't. If I see his ass up here before June, I'll be physically pissed at Ben Sherrington. <laughs> and that's the shame I, I, of it. I think for pitching too, I, I mean, I know that you're just bringing up an example. I think for pitching, it's a little bit different than, than hitters, but the same goes. I mean, if you think that at this point, and this is what maybe they're thinking is if you think that you're going to bring a guy up, just bring him up then. Because you're, if, if you don't think you can leave him down the whole time, 
then just bring him up. Just let us, let it work out. Let it work itself out. I don't know. I mean, Cruz is an interesting situation. I think he only has one option left, so this is it. He'll be there next year regardless of what happens this year. And and I know that, you know, we're talking service time at this point, but what what is the, what is the, how is that working now? Because before there was a much earlier date where they got their service time. Did, did they give us a date? Is there a... The Super 2 is still based on a formula. So you won't yeah. know it until you know it. But it's usually pretty commonly accepted to be the first or second week of June. is is a pretty safe time to bring somebody up and, and get that extra year of control. That's one aspect of it. Now they're going to award a year of service time. So in other words... You complete an entire year, you win Rookie of the Year, or you come in second for Rookie of the Year, boom, you've now played two seasons. You have disincentivized me bringing that player up and giving him a shot. I would bring is that, him up. Is I'd that how it works? It is how it works. Now. Oh. Now you tell I was me just that's thinking, a thing. So I was thinking the Wander Franco situation where he comes up and didn't didn't earn a year but he was in the running for rookie of the year. So he gets his first year full instead of not getting his first full year. You know what I mean? I, th- I was under the impression that's the way they were doing this. It's not the way I read it. John, how about you? Mm. Justin, how about you? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was, it was incurring just a, a full year of service. Um, I didn't think it was going to be tacked on and give you a, a, a you know, depending on when you come up and all that fun stuff that you would have two years of ARB instead of four, so to speak. Um, I, so I, I'm with I honestly Josh, hope I read it wrong. Yeah. Jim, what did you gather? I from honestly that? hope I read it wrong. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if anything, um, how I took it was more in the line of how Gary took it, but I'm also thinking that there's also, some valid uh, points on what Josh was bringing up too. So, um, you know, I think what comes down to on some of this stuff is it's also brand new. um, And clearly um, there's going to be more coming out on it. And that's going to be something that um, is easy to take a bigger bite into and look at it from a perspective of, how once we get a full understanding of it, how it's going to further affect things down the road in Pittsburgh and outside of our market. Either way, as a fan, let's say like, like whichever one's right. Either way, it's going to take something away from control. So let's say that O'Neill Cruz comes up here in June. And let's just say Josh is right. And all it means is if he's in the rookie of the year running that, this is a full year and they couldn't manipulate his super two, mm-hmm. which actually sounds more right to me. So I certainly hope that's actually what it is. Regardless, you're getting into like September. He's hitting like 280. He looks all right. He's hitting some home runs. People like him. He's at least in the top three. You're a Pirates fan. Are you kind of like kind of hoping he sucks for the last couple weeks? <laughs> How many, big, how many games back are we? <laughs> no, I'm, instead of rooting him on, 
to get that rookie of the year. Starting a campaign, people changing their Twitter handles to Roy Cruz. Are you really rooting for that now? Or are you kind of like taken back to like, oh, man. And I know everybody is going to be like, yeah, I'm a nice person. Of course I want Cruz to win the rookie of the year. (laughs) Just be honest with yourself, though. When you're sitting on the couch by yourself with a beer and, and a bag of pretzels, you're kind of going like, God damn it, quit hitting home runs, O'Neal. Like finish third. You know, like Pirates are like 15 games back. Let's just come on. You know, like <laughs> you don't you don't need that right now. I'm just saying, like, it, it changes a, a dynamic that I don't think needed changed. And uh, I'm not hundred percent sure that it incentivizes bringing them up. And to me, that's not great. You know, I think it's they would have to Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think the larger point with it all is, is like Gary said, is it doesn't fix the problem. And either way, it's baseball's good at this, creates more problems. Um, from the fan side, from the owner side, I can't see the players not pointing back to this and say, um, okay, you know what? They screwed us on this one. We might have to change it. So, um, but it's another example of a Dodger fan would never, ever have to sit here and worry about this scenario. If he blows up, wins wins the rookie of the year yeah. and the MVP, so they're going to extend him. Anyway. Great, great. Right. You're going to see O'Neill right. Cruz different markets, different conversations. Yep. You're you're going to see O'Neill Cruz with 20 homers in AAA and then 20 homers in the MLB. Instead of bringing him up in June, they'll wait till late July just so he can't be a finalist. You know what I mean? He'd have exactly. to really blow up to be a finalist. And if there's and if there's a rookie running away with it, then you're not worried about it. You know what I mean? Either way, they've made it worse, right? You know, we talk about that mythological window uh, of competition. That will play into it. That you know, It's like sweeping it under the rug for the time being. If we're four or five games back, we're rooting for O'Neill Cruz to keep knocking him out of the park, right? And we're, not, we're worrying about yep. the future when the future comes. But in most years, year in, year out, we're, we're probably thinking, all right, hurt, hurt your hammy. You know, um, you know, (laughs) go down for a stint, whatever it might be. And that's, uh, again, that's not healthy from a fan perspective either, because you want to go to the ballpark, have a beer, not worry about is he accumulating enough time to have a full season because he may, you know, be number two or number one in the all-star running here. I want him to win. You know, know, it it ends up feeling a little icky, like, um, in, like when you're when you're playing fantasy football and you got the Ravens defense and you need them to do well but you're also like man this feels a little weird okay I'm going to have to go with it and then so you just kind of uh somehow somehow you uh you rationalize it but afterwards, yeah, you feel a little gross. That's why I quit playing fantasy sports. I was just going to say the same exact thing. The Ravens defense is why. One day. But you all know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, and I, we're already long, but one more thing we have to touch on, really. And it's it, it was the elephant in the room the whole time, you know, that wasn't named Scott. The, the CBT threshold. That was the stumbling point the whole time. Um, we know why. I think that the owners probably have a false perception of what it's going to do. Um, it ended up getting raised up to 230. 
so what? It's going to go up more uh, over the, the course of the, this deal. And I'm not really concerned about it. It doesn't change anything really for the Pirates. The gap just got a little bigger. Um, I think we'll still see two or three teams that flirt with it slash top it. And I don't think we'll see much beyond that. So the Yankees basically just got an answer to a prayer. They got more room and they can now go sign somebody. Kevin Correa. Steinbrenner's already said they're not going over that. Kevin. So um, I think that's probably what's going to stay in place. And they've stiffened the penalties. They're progressive penalties now. So if you go over it for three years in a row, you're going to pay through the nose. You go over it four years in a row, you're going to pay through the nose. So if anything, I think what they maybe have done is made the Dodgers think twice about signing some guy for six years that they know they only need for two. Um, Or maybe they don't need to have two superstar shortstops. You know, something along those lines. So I guess from that perspective, it could maybe open the market up a little bit. That said, there aren't a whole lot of teams that can really afford to pay um, that kind of money. So they're going to go someplace like that. Talk about first world baseball problems, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing is, really, though, I think all they've done is just moved it up. The few teams that could afford to hit this old CBT will hit the new CBT. And Josh, I've heard you on your show before talk about like wanting people to exceed that. I do believe that that's the owner's spin that they gave with the CBT years ago. Um, I think in the back of their heads, they always kind of hoped it would work as a soft cap, and it has. I so think that, I don't expect that to change now. Yeah, I think that the intention from the very beginning was that it was a cap, that they would be able to lean on this and say we can't go over this. Now, did they remove the draft pick? There was like draft picks that you lost if you were three years over. Did they get that out? I haven't seen the detailed. I thought there was something about that, but either way, uh, I think that it's uh, as, as anyone who's under it. Yeah. You want people to go over it because then you get a kickback from that. But essentially the owners have planned that the whole time to say, well, we're going to use this as a as a reason why we don't go over this, because if you're if you're as much as under it, you get the kickback too. Yeah, I was of the belief long ago that the the owners could have probably given up on the CBT long ago, given them two forty, two fifty, and just called it a day. Um, let the players have the win because all it is is perceived money. It's not real money. Like, I yeah, wrote, it's it's I an imaginary it. number. I wrote if they went to 230, I think it adds like 1.6 billion or something in supposed payroll, but it won't. Mm-mm. That 1.6 billion uh, assumes that everybody is going to spend up to it, and that everybody already was. They're not. Um, it, and it's not even going to be close to that. If anything, San Diego is like going, we're okay now. We don't have yeah. to get under anything. Maybe we don't have to trade uh, that one guy, and. The Dodgers are kind of like, hey, we're under. <laughs> this is neat. And, <laughs> Wish we uh, would have brought Seager back. Yeah, and, and the Mets are sad right yeah. now because they, they're still over it. But I don't think it's going to change very much. Um, I certainly don't think it's going to have the effect the players think it's going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I kind of, I guess what I can't get past, Judd, is that they didn't learn their lesson from the last two negotiations where it didn't work out as they thought it might. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I can't remember if it was Will Middlebrooks or Myers. It was somebody like that about four days ago uh, tweeted out that we're fighting over a number that only three or four teams are going to exceed. So this is not lost on all of the players, and I'm surprised there wasn't a bigger uh, Middlebrooks voice in this process. Maybe there was, and he was hushed. But if the players really want to get a better share of the money, it's going to be the floor that ultimately delivers that. And I just don't understand how educated and a lot of these guys went to college it's not like they're all high school kids and international players that you know were signed at the age of 15 16 um i'm surprised there just wasn't a bigger contingency of guys that presented and said let me show you what we have to gain if the floor is 140 instead of up here but we can still go up here and you know whether it would be all revenue sharing monies go to payroll or however we I'm just really surprised that not one player was able to sit other players down and show them that you're you're looking at a pyramid scheme instead of what we could have. I love the way you put that. Like, Jim, I'll give you the final word not to compete with another show. But (laughs) talking about the CBT, um, if they raise it up, which they did, I don't think it has the desired effect they do. I don't think it's going to change very much. And if I had to guess, I think the reason they were so married to trying to keep it at a certain point is because if they do have designs or plans on going for some kind of a cap system that has a top and bottom, they can't afford to have that top B250 or something. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think you have to look at this stuff really... um strategically because I'm quite sure the owners do um, and you're not talking about winning the the war today I mean these are just battles right horse uh, isn't the only snake in the grass we know no so these are just battles you're fighting they come up every once in a while and eventually you hope to get some real change but it takes a long time especially especially in a in a sport like baseball that has so many problems and let's be, just be honest. There was so much, there were so many issues to tackle and not enough time. You can't, uh, I know people say, well, 99 days, whatever you're talking massive, massive fundamental issues within a game that people are just so, so firmly entrenched and so wide apart. And it's so complicated. I think it's going to come down to, this is something in five more years, try to win the next battle, see where that goes. But there's not enough time. They eventually just finally said, you know what, we're not going to agree on anything. we got to get playing some baseball. Yeah, the best way to illustrate that really is that we spent three full days arguing about how many days the players had to wait to implement, or the team, the owners had to wait to implement rules. <laughs> yeah. I mean, three days arguing about whether it should be a full year or 45 days. I mean, like, yep. it's their league. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't, I just don't understand why that had to be like a three day exercise. That's all. So so dysfunctional. So dysfunctional. But we we've talked extra long today, which deservedly so, everybody, because you know, regardless of everything we've discussed, it is a joyous day. We're gonna have baseball, and for the very first time, we're gonna get to talk about baseball, and I'm really excited Mm. about that, and excited to keep talking to all of you. And Justin, how do people get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, JV underscore pit 
on that, that's at on Twitter. On Facebook, you're going to look for Judd Verno instead of Justin. And he writes, uh, I think probably once the season starts, we'll call it weekly. It's usually pretty weekly. He writes a weekly piece with uh, his boy, Joe Boyd, on my website, Inside the Bucks Basement, talking about potential trades most of the time, which tends to make some of you sad, but, you know, just take it for what it is. He's telling you how valuable the players are, not necessarily that he wants them called traded, okay? And Josh, how do people get a hold of you, sir, and how do they listen to your fine podcast? Uh, I've basically given up on any personal Twitter, so I am basically just the guy on the Bridge to Bucktober Twitter, which is Bridge and then number two because Twitter keeps you from that one extra character to write T.O. <laughs> so we had to put a two there, but Bridge number two Bucktober. Um, and uh, if you get to that Twitter, there's links and stuff to listen to the podcast. It's YouTube, everywhere else, audio and all that good stuff. So. And I'll, I'll say just from personal experience, it's it's good, reasonable baseball talk, and you know, give it a shot. It's it's worth listening to, and we definitely want people to know that we are not the only podcast in town. We when we find other reasonable people, we we want to try to amplify them as much as we can. That's Build true. Community here, folks. Jim, right. how do people get a hold of you, my friend? Yeah, so uh, all Twitter all the time, all Pittsburgh all the time, for the city underscore 412, or at JimStam22. And yeah, you know what, guys? We went over today, but it how could we not? Baseball's back. The little kid, the little kid in me is happy about that, even if the cynical adult is still a little bit salty. But, um, you know, hey, we're going to get to talk about real baseball here real soon. And um, I'm excited about that. And good job today, fellas. Yeah, it was a really good show. And I appreciate everybody's contributions to it. Um, follow us on Twitter, uh, Pirates Fan Forum. And follow me, GaryMO2007. Uh, you can email the show at piratesfanforum at yahoo.com. I'm on Instagram with the Pirates Fan Forum podcast, uh, Facebook, sadly. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Check us out and uh, give us likes and follows and, and, and share the, the show if you like it because uh, we really uh, we're really trying to do a good show for you and we'd love to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think. Until next week, Ben, take it away. Yes, you're right.